The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with uh, with two people uh, today, and we're going to be discussing uh, different types of content marketing, particularly uh, podcasts. But we'll probably delve into video too, because one of my guests, Kurt Schneid of uh, BrandReady.com, also produces videos. And the other guest is Robert Che, host of FedHeads. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Uh, both. Uh, uh, let's start. Kurt, uh, tell people who you are, what you do, please. Excellent. My name's Kurt Schneid with Brand Ready Media. We're brandready.com, and we're a group of uh, local television producers, writers, directors, social media content experts, and we help businesses articulate their message, come up with the message that reaches their audience and, and resolves an issue that they have, whether it be awareness or, or branding, or sales, the like. Okay. Robert? My name's Robert Shea. I'm a partner in Grant Thornton Public Sector, and we are working every day to help government agencies at the federal, state, local level improve their performance and efficiency. There you go. And But prior to Grant, you were at the Evil Empire. I was, uh, <laughs> I was working to help make the world safe for democracy in the House of Representatives, Senate, and uh, Office of Management and Budget as a earnest... Uh, staffer focusing on oversight and management improvement of government agencies. There you go. So you're very involved in things like the PMA. That's exactly right. There you go. Yep. Um, uh, so the reason – there's a lot of reasons I'm doing this show. This show is about marketing to the governments, about general government contracting. But uh, Robert – I saw Robert speak in September – at a different event for a company we will not mention on air right now. Okay. It was, it was uh, uh, I remember. I was trying to remember what the market preview was the name of the event. Great. So, uh, but they, they were talking about podcasts there, and you were one of like three guests on the stage, three of the panelists on the stage. And um, I had heard of your show, but I had never listened to it at that point. And I have I'm since sorry. several times. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we've known each other uh, via social media for probably a decade. Right. But, um, you know, we only run across each other on rare occasion. But I was thrilled not only by uh, what was being discussed on the stage. I thought you were particularly good. The other guy sucked. Um, but <laughs> I hope you weren't getting us confused. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I was paying attention here because uh, technically I've been podcasting now for 12 years. I'm a pioneer, but I didn't know it. Um, I just meandered Most in that don't. general direction. I don't think pioneers know they're pioneers. Yeah, I, you know, so it's, it's weird because I, I go to events and people say, I've been listening to you for decades. And I'm going, okay. Usually I'm used to hearing people say, I read your book or, you know, I see you in Wash right. Tech. Not, I hear you. So, uh, but there's a lot more of that now. So apparently it's, it's, it's pervasive. But what's cool about this is you took this idea 
And you're what, two years now? Uh, just finished the first season. Just this year thing? one. So oh. we're, we're, we're only one year and we've taped 40 episodes. We just. Because okay, uh, I saw something from 17. Yes? Nope. Nothing in 17. Uh, nothing just in 18. 17. Okay. It was the okay. kernel of an idea. Well, then I can't count either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't a math major. But 40 episodes in a year. Where do you find the time to do this? Do you like do three interviews a day? Yeah, we uh, one of the magic things is we tape once a month four episodes, 15 minutes each, so we can really bang out an entire month in a 2-hour period. Yeah. Oh, it's the best way to do it, right? Oh, it's really it's great. It's yeah. a, uh surprised me how efficient we could make it. All you have to do guests, is make sure your guests show up. Guests are reliable. They show up on time. Uh, and they all seem to be in studio, yes? That's right. I'm, I'm kidding a little bit about the guests. It's a, it's a juggling act to right. make sure Believe people me. show up. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm here. How, I was how here many on times time. did I schedule this show? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you sound like you're having fun. Oh, yeah. It is fun. It's, a, it's, it's surprisingly easy and fun and engaging. I'm impressed and depressed about the number of people who listen. Surprised anybody listens, but you know we're getting. We've had about ten thousand downloads. That's a, a a fraction, probably, of what what you get. So who knows? It's some. It's a foundation on which to grow. I have twelve people that show up at every event that I speak at, and one of them comes up each time. So, so. that's good. Take what you can get. And Kurt, you you've been doing. You indicated uh, earlier that you've been doing this since you were like in junior high school or something. I've been involved in, in communication content and, and delivering stuff, yes, yeah, since since high school. It's uh, it's something I always knew I wanted to do. Okay. But when did Brand Ready come to be and why? So we we were a culmination of, of uh, producers that had worked together on projects for over the last 10 years. And so we've only really been together officially for about a year. And the... Um, the podcast or the show that we do, the Are You Ready show, we just finished our first season of uh, 15 episodes and started our second season um, just last week. And so we're releasing next week, last week's show. And um, I, I agree. It's amazing to see how it comes together and how many people watch the show and, and respond to it. Um, it it's kind of flattering. Uh, but it's it's a great way to get exposure and good quality content um, out to the people who are looking for that sort of thing. Okay, give us a a feel for the types of things you discuss. So the the Are You Ready show is about you know Are you ready to start your own business or are you ready to take your existing business to the next level? So it's all about entrepreneurs in the Northern Virginia, Washington D.C. area and their ability to to grow, to manifest, and to, uh, to to bring to light their goals and aspirations for their their particular business. Okay. And, Robert, same question to you. How do you pick your guests? Well, uh, our focus is on government arcana. Um, really, the people and the things that are trying to make the government work better. So there's, as you know, there's a large ecosystem of people and organizations that are trying to help government do more for less for the American people. And those are the guests we try to um, get on the show. Government employees are a plus. So leaders at OMB, GSA, OPM, other agencies, 
who are driving performance improvement initiatives mm. are the ones we target. And yeah. we've, we've done a pretty good job. We had one agency official on and soon thereafter got a call from their public affairs office saying they'd like to schedule a series of their senior officials to participate on the podcast. That was a big day. That was a big day, especially if you want them on. Um. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we're yeah. not at the point where we can be too picky, but someday. Well, yeah, but I know. But, but you know, there, there's a lot of people in the government market. I don't want to interview all of them, and some of them, there's no way in hell they're getting on this show. Um, so, <laughs> yes, it is what it is, right? It's my show. I get to pick, <laughs> That's right. pick who the guests right. are. Right. And by the same token, there's some people who go, yeah, I don't want to be on your show. So, <laughs> Why would I want to do gee, that? Yeah, I've, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I'm <laughs> curious, you know, along those lines, um, when we talk about you know, who you allow on your medium in your space, um, what are your opinions as far as, as fairness, you know, at one side of the story as opposed to the other side of the story? Um, well, I don't get into politics on this show. Okay. Uh, I mean, Larry Allen and I will discuss shutdown. Uh, we will discuss CRs, uh, and generally, the thought is both are stupid. You know, pass the budget. But everybody thinks that that I am controversial. I'm very opinionated, but mm. I don't view it as controversial. You know, when you're talking about business development or going after contracts or or marketing in general, there's not. I mean, there's difference of opinions, but there's no conflict. We don't have a lot of conflict either. We try to be pretty lighthearted. Mm-hmm. We did have one. And you succeed. Well, thank you. We did have one instance where I invited a public official through their public affairs office to participate. They declined. Uh, so we had uh, another group uh, come on uh, involved in the same issue. We thereafter got a complaint from the original guy, <laughs> why didn't you include me on your podcast? Uh, and I said, well, frankly, we did invite you, and you declined through some mouthpiece. So that's good, too. You know, you can bring attention to somebody, and, and if others want to participate, then you just line up another guest. Yeah. But I can't think of one where we've not had one side uh, or the other. Again, the juggling of the guests means that when you try to bring – Balance isn't the right word, but but some symmetry to the conversation. And one mm-hmm. declines, then you get only one voice when you could have had a, a more vibrant exchange. I understand. Cool. Yeah. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. We shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Kurt Schneid of Brand Ready and Robert Shea of Grant Thornton. Uh, Kurt is a video and podcast producer, uh, which is what Brand Ready does. And Robert Shea is uh, director of marketing at Grant. Uh, uh, I oversee marketing at Grant. You oversee Grant, uh, yeah. And, and the host of or co-host of FedHeads, which is – just truly a, a, a fun listen and and relatively short. So I, I want to get back to the basics here, back to the history. Kurt, give us a little background on why, you know, the groundwork of how podcasts could come about. Well, I, I think it's important to understand that the um, when you look at the history, uh, the Telecom Act of 1936 really allowed um, broadcasters to – to be fair to um, 
to communicate to the public responsibly. And the people who wrote that that act uh, did it with with great uh, future sight, if you will. Fast forward 60 years to the Telecom Act in 1996, and, and the big media companies started to vilify all of those core ethical principles of the Telecom Act of 1936. Things like the fairness doctrine became a, a, a bad word, and, and I couldn't imagine why something titled the fairness doctrine could could have been so evil. But that's Especially the way it was portrayed. Because it was about fairness. Right. It, wasn't, it wasn't subterfuge, yeah. <laughs> But that's what happened. And so the big media companies were really down on on this concept of the fairness doctrine, which basically said if you're going to propose one side of the story, you should at least give the the opposition an opportunity to participate in the, the conversation. Now, we all know that you can invite people to your show and they might decline, but at least you give them the option. And so when they got rid of the fairness doctrine, now you could just promote whatever you want to say, whatever your side of the story is. The other part of that was the 777 rule. And the 777 rule dictated that one organization or one person could only own 7 a.m., 7 f.m., and 7 television shows. And that was designed to prevent any one organization from flooding the market with their political or their agenda or whatever their view was. It allowed, it, it caused diversity. You had to have a diverse amount of people that were in control of the content that was being put out to the public because of the human nature to believe what they see in the media. Well, when you got rid of the 777 rule, the media companies that promoted uh, getting rid of this and had made all these promises of how good it was going to be and all the things that we were going to achieve as, as the public that we would receive as far as savings and all of our media. Well, what they ended up doing was, was going back on all those promises. Uh, the big conglomerates um, kind of gobbled each other up, and now we have you know the big three today, you yeah. know, and and so it's it's really hard to get that diversity. It's very difficult for the small voice, that independent voice, to be heard amongst the flood of information that is provided by those big three. You see that today when you look at headlines across the newspaper, across cable television, where they're all basically the same headline, basically the same news. And um, it really stifles the creativity. It really stifles the uh, the ability for the that small voice to be heard. What ends up happening is you, you got this reality television or this reality um, movement in America where news is very profitable. And so we started with that in the 80s, the, the, uh, the CNN, the, the headline news, all that became very popular. Uh, and it caused Ted, Ted took a big gamble to do that, though he did, and 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 it paid off, mm. it paid off real well. So now news is popular. Reality TV comes out, reality um, stuff, and it forces that small voice to kind of go pirate radio, you know. And so this pirate radio concept came up, and 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 we're pirates. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need a hat. Arr, I'm gonna need a hat. Arr, arr. I, 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 I want an eye patch. <laughs> So, um, you know, and again, so now around the, the turn of the century, technology comes out and you're able to, through the Internet, be an independent producer. You know, regardless of where you are or what your educational background is, 
you can now voice your opinion and get it out to the masses. Wayne's world. <laughs> exactly. Right? And, and so here we are today with this, you know, kind of force into this medium. And, and podcasting is allowing the, that small voice to be heard and create an audience for itself. Right. But, you know, the podcast itself has been around for a while. So what got me involved in social media big time was David Meerman Scott's first edition of New Rules of Marketing and PR. But he was talking about basically the same thing, how the Web 2.0 tools democratize the ability to get out messages to particular people. And you take the Chris Anderson effect from the long tail and you can find audiences for virtually anything on the web, or more importantly, they can find you. Mm. So that got me involved in a big way, but in only as far as marketing to the government goes. So how, how do you play on on the? I mean, we 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 have the uh, uh, the rise of podcasts due in part due to the technology. You used to have to hook up your phone or your listening device to your computer Correct. with a special thing and then download from one of the half a dozen or so sites that was available, right? Mm-hmm. Now you can just, you know, put a microphone on your computer and run. So I think, you know, my my emergence into the podcast realm really follows the leadership of three giants in my life. Haley, Hannah, and Mimi, my daughters, mm. who are podcast, uh, avid podcast listeners. Um, Tell me they listen to Fedheads. <laughs> they do listen to Fedheads, but they're a little <clears throat> shout out to Haley, Hannah, and Mimi because they, they're dying to be mentioned on my podcast. Um, they like to listen to it in uh, slow speed because daddy sounds intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> They think they think that's the funniest thing oh, gee, they've ever Robert. heard, and I I hope they listen to it in regular speed. But I'm pretty confident they've not yet listened to a full episode at at regular speed. Well, I mean, if they slow it down, it might take about two hours. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but every minute hysterical. So, um, so but, but, but I was, but but that that yeah. that. You know, was that because that was their information digesting? Tool? That was one form um, uh, that they that they went to and still do. Um, uh, they love podcasts generally that are about grizzly murders. It seems so. Th- <laughs> this is not that. And as you know, Mark, we're focusing on a pretty niche audience, right? Uh, but the ease of doing it, the limits, the the lack of limits on what you can produce, how, and where you can run it, just make this a really uh, the low barrier to entry um, and a quick take-up. Mm. Yeah, that low barrier to entry is huge because to do a great full-blown video, we're not talking, you know, 50 bucks. No. No. But a podcast, you can go online or you can go to Micro Center, pick up some really good mics for under 200 bucks, Attach them to your computer. Use one of the downloadable tools for editing, mm-hmm. uh, and and literally you're there. Yeah, podcasts and in, in, in audio production is something that you can do single op. You know, you can mix it here in the studio. You can produce it yourself. Whereas the the television podcast that we do, we we have to have a crew of three 
to pull off what we do. And so, um, and that's not cheap, right? And so we invest like you, we invest in that day and we try to get three or four episodes done in a day to, uh, to limit the cost involved. I have to, uh, Give great credit to two two other people. Francis Rose is my uh, co-host. Right. He's mm-hmm. a, uh, Who very experienced. When I started here, he was my producer. Yeah, he's a very I, experienced. I say that to irritate him. Very, very experienced. <laughs> um, he's great. Uh, radio personality, now TV personality. Uh, a producer, as you say, so he knows how to, how to help produce the show. And then um, Adam Hughes, who's on Grant Thornton's staff. Mm-hmm. Really, this is his brainchild um and he helped get the look and feel of the marketing materials and very good about lining up guests who came up with the name uh my graphics artist i believe sent around some ideas Mm -hmm. uh and we all voted but i got to count the votes so i was the one who picked (laughs) He who counts the votes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Been there. Uh, well, you were talking take, earlier about the. Let's, um, let's the, take a break and we'll we'll pick it up. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Kurt and Robert right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Uh, Kurt, you were saying before I so rudely interrupted. No. So we were talking about that low barrier to entry. You know, and that's a great thing when when you you allow that small voice to come out, new ideas and, and and opinions to to rise to the top. But it also allows for misinformation. Um, it allows for extremists. You know, so th- there's always a good and bad side of it. And I've never been a, a proponent of censorship, but I, I've always been a proponent of responsible broadcasting. And and I think that there's a difference in, in, in what that is. And so I I just um wanted to, to to you know make sure that you know the people that come on our show at least, you know, have um have some semblance of social responsibility, um that they um that they're doing good, you know. You know, yeah, your your history of how we got where we are had a tinge of passion about the ethics of the past mm. and their erosion to today. Absolutely. Um, and I don't, and, and, and what's going on in national politics today are a consequence. I think of what you've described, um, you know, I don't know what our little podcasts, our little pure podcasts right. can do to uh, combat mm-hmm. that more insidious Side, uh, but maybe more and more people can contribute to a, a cleaner voice, uh, a, a cleaner messaging um, in this broad sea of broadcasting. I'm Have not going to ex- get involved in that. <laughs> 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 you know, it's just not what my show's about. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when I have guests come in, we generally have the topic at hand. Uh, this is a rare event when I did not have several topics queued up. Fortunately, you guys are really bright, and you can take the ball and run. Um, but, I mean, we know the direction it's going to be. And I'm not, you know, uh, uh, somebody once called me the Howard Stern of government contracting because I have books, I have the radio show, I write for Wash Tech. 
Um, and you've got the personality, it, sort of the personality, but I don't do ambush, and I, you know, I yeah. try, I try not to be rude. Mm. Uh, I just say what I think. Yeah, um, my mantra is don't be a. Uh, well, never mind. Buttwinkle. That's my Good. my my. Yep. Word of choice there. There you uh, go. And then you can apply that anywhere. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Writing it down now. But let's let's go back to that, uh, you know, why, why and how podcasts. So the, the low cost of entry is huge. Mm-hmm. The ability, But here here's the thing that irritates the heck out of me about Web 2.0 tools. It is so easy to do so many things, but it's easier to do it poorly. You know, mm. I mean, you have people doing podcasts who have the three-minute dramatic pauses, probably because they don't have enough thought queued up. Um, you know, in can you do a dramatic pause on TV? Sure, because you have the look, right? On the radio, that's dead air. Right. Uh, <laughs> hello. Um, you have people who have, you know, either nothing to say or they're simply regurgitating what 500 other people have said. Mm-hmm. We, we don't really need more of that. It's like the Kessler effect. The Kessler effect is all of the space garbage, all the satellites floating around. Sooner or later, they're going to start colliding and coming down. You know, there's so much content garbage out there that it's hard to get good messages to get an audience. So when you do have a good message, that traditional word of mouth kicks in. So FedHeads is really lucky to have... Francis Rose, Adam Hughes um, involved in the production team. I am completely new to this and was quite anxious about whether or not we'd be able to pull it off, uh, especially at this frequency, and whether the content would be compelling. Mm -hmm. I still think the jury's out because I'm not – you know, what is good in a podcast of this nature? If We're we're certainly not trying to be – uh, a, a popular broadcast, but we do want to make an impact in the government market. What do those numbers look like? How do we compare to other podcasts? They're, I mean, there are not many in this space, but it's certainly growing. So, you know, how you measure your impact uh, and quality are things that will consistently work to achieve. I agree. I, I think if you um, if you allow for that low production value to to proliferate, it, it dumbs down the entire market, if you will. Um, when we look at, um, say, a documentary film, you know, back in the day, Nat Geo would would partner a filmmaker and a scientist, and they'd give them a million dollars and send them off to study something. The filmmaker would would document the scientist's findings, and they would come up with a film. And as as competition arose, the the timelines got shorter, the budgets got less, you know, which which brought on the the you know news, which led to uh, you know things like uh, uh, reality TV. And now you have instead of the you know the the quality programming, you've got stuff on the History Channel and Discovery Channel, which is which is just fluff. It's like infotainment it has a little bit of information, um, a lot of it. It really inf- does. <laughs> a, a little I'm bit still of, wondering who the heck the Kardashians are, and, right? And and I don't care, right? You know, and 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 so now our 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 audiences are flooded with these these messages of just trash and garbage and and sensationalism without any quality, uh, inter- uh, educational value or or um, uh, just value in, in general. Mm. 
I did a show uh, about three or four months ago, I think, with uh, with somebody from Fish and Wildlife. Danielle Brigida is the social media guru. Uh, I, she may be at Interior Central now. I forget. But, uh, you know, we spent 45 minutes just geeking out over social on mm-hmm. air. And it was a blast. She's doing so many interesting things for the government, but you figure something like Fish and Wildlife, they have a repository of photos that would rival Nat Geo. Mm-hmm. They've got, you know, hundreds of of uh, uh, preserved pieces of land around the country uh, and, and managers for each of them sharing this stuff. It's just really cool. Um, and, and, you know, her ability to tell those stories well within the confines of the government regulations is is extraordinary, and she's having a blast doing it. There are two things that that are compelling to me about what you just said. One is you focused on this small agency in the federal government. Mm-hmm. Just one example of the sea of opportunities you have in a in a podcast like FedHeads to delve into an issue that most people don't know about. Right. Every, every federal entity is going to have really deep insights that are going to have interest to at least some of our audience and beyond. Um, the second thing is uh, folks trying to get a message out at a federal agencies are generally handicapped by limitations uh, imposed by their organization. But a podcast somehow escapes a lot of those mm. and is seen as a relatively safe space. The risk is low because the audience is small. The, um, the, the It's not going to be a gotcha environment. So it really is a new avenue they can pursue external podcasts to get their messages out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a small audience is, is kind of nebulous anyway. It's not the size of the audience. When I'm coaching people on using LinkedIn, you don't need to have that 500 plus within the first 30 days. What you need is to connect with the people that you need to influence who influence the market niche that you're in and those immediately around them. If that's 300 people, you've hit the jackpot. Mm. Uh, it's not 10, a numbers game. It's a quality game. 10,000 people nationally uh, is not going to be nearly as important as 10 key decision makers in the in the belt. Yeah, but, exactly. So if, if within that 10,000, you're also touching on state and local officials, officials who are facing the same types of problems, you've, you've got – you know, an audience where your message really resonates. We don't get a lot of, of um, uh, fan mail. <laughs> it's an aspiration of mine. Uh, but we did get an email the other day or a post on LinkedIn from a listener in the Chicago area who said, you know, thanks for doing this because we're out here. People forget about us. Mm-hmm. And it's good to have a 15-minute weekly update on an issue that's probably of real import to us. Okay, the the that that's excellent because I get the same kind of feedback. Fan mail never, <laughs> occasional emails, uh, yeah. But what I get, you know, I I'm one of those people who will say happy birthday on LinkedIn, congrats on the new job, right. and I look at the profiles of people before I send it out because I want to know when we connected. I want to try to intuit why I connected with them. Okay, so I can personalize the message. That's where I get the feedback on, you know, thanks for what you're doing. I've been reading your articles for a year. I have your books. You know, I want to meet you so you can sign it, you know, that kind of stuff. That's where I get that feedback, through LinkedIn. 
Well, that's a beautiful thing about what the two of you do is that there's a, a reason behind it. And there are people out in the community that need this, that, that want this, right? They're hungry for this kind of connection to Washington, D.C. And, and the educational things that, that you propose, Mark. And so, you know, behind you know, why we do these podcasts, there has to be, you know, some sort of driving force in, in reaching those people who who are – uh, hungry for the information, who want to know, who want to be involved, um, you know, that that's that's commendable. Thank cool. you. Cool. We're going to take you. our last break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back with uh, Robert and Kurt right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Uh, I'm, I'm having a blast today. I hope you can't tell. Uh, I'm here with Kurt Schneid of Brand Ready and Robert Shea of Grant Thornton. And uh, Kurt, let's talk about what really makes a good podcast. What are the elements involved? Well, I mean, the number one thing that has been true since the beginning is content is king. So you have to have great content. I mean, that's first and foremost – you know, you had mentioned earlier that the barriers to entry and, and production value. I like quality production value. It doesn't have to be expensive. doesn't have to be elaborate. just has to be clean and, and, and nice. But I also think that it has to be fun. And when you're having fun, whether people can see you or it's just an audio recording, they can hear it. The, the audience That's why I like it. listening to Robert. And, right. And, you know, when we're face-to-face conversations, you're always having a good time. <laughs> Life's too short not to have a good time. It's yeah. great to hear you say that. The, the content is something that I've delegated to people who know what they're doing. But as far as fun is concerned, I've insisted that it be lighthearted. The uh, bumper music uh, is um, something we picked. Mm-hmm. You can go online and pick songs for free, and I picked one that's uh, quintessentially silly. <laughs> so um, uh, that starts off with a little lightheartedness right there. But um, also stay within your lane. The topics I pick are ones about which I'm passionate and have uh, enough insights to be dangerous and carry on a 15-minute conversation. Yeah, I think the the last thing, and it could be you know, just as important, is the engagement factor. Allowing your audience to, to respond to you. So giving them an opportunity to tweet to you, right? And, and take note of that. Keep your finger on the pulse of your audience. Anytime you can mention your audience or respond to their concerns or their comments, um, builds your audience and really allows them the, the opportunity to feel connected to you, to participate in, in the flow of information. Again, a podcaster doesn't necessarily want to talk at their audience. They want to talk with your audience. It should be a conversation. That's a really good point. That's a, probably a gap in FedHeads. We've had very limited uh, audience engagement, but hope to really expand that. So what recommendations would you have other than sort of inviting them verbally to do that? Well, I mean, that's where it starts. <clears throat> you have to have an avenue for, for them. It, it could just be one. The more avenues you have, the, the more opportunity they're going to have to respond. And then, you know, on the production side, you, you can have your team monitor that, um, pre-screen people. Um, you know, of course, if, if you're going live, you, you, you don't want to open the floodgates for you oh, know, calls. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and, and so the, you always have those haters that are out there or, you know, <clears throat> competitors or somebody wants to, to knock you down. But if you got a team and you can open up um, an avenue for people to call in or tweet in or email in, just go ahead and, 
and allow the audience a voice on your show. Yeah, and, and worse, when on the call-in things, it's like when when you're – I moderate panels at events, right? So I'm, I'm the guy who takes the questions from the audience – and the person starts off with like a four-minute prelude. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm one of those moderators that goes, you've had 10 seconds. I don't hear a question. Next. Mm-hmm. Hello. Right. If you were that good, you'd be up here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe next time. Uh, or not. <laughs> so the elements that I see, if you want feedback, transcribe your shows or post them somewhere that has the comment bar. Okay. Blogs have that. There are some people in the market, GSA, uh, who close comments immediately. So you, you have the comment bar and it says no comments available at this time or you're not available. You're, you can't comment at this time. That irritates me no end, which is why I bring it up. So, But uh, unless you have that, you can comment on the shows here. I don't know that I've ever gotten a comment on my show here. That's a hint. Um, (laughs) but kurt's taking us to new new heights now already well yeah but you you gotta drop hints every now and again you know i give my email at the end of the show Mm -hmm. right so drop me a line tell me what you think topics i'm open to new topics if they fall within what i do so how long have you been doing podcasts now well, certainly, you know, since since college. So I got out of school around 2000, and um, I, I worked for um, for Discovery, and, and I worked You're for Walter different. Cronkite, and uh, did some stuff here in, in Georgetown. And, who? Walter who? <laughs> so Cronkite Ward is a production company, at least it was back in Georgetown, and John Ward was... Um, uh, Walter's producer, cameraman for many years, and I had the uh, the pleasure of working with them and, and really learning story and um, just an amazing organization they had. So I was very fortunate to to have the the upbringing that I did and the mentors that I've had. And but yeah, since you know the early two thousands and and being able to produce content and get it out on the street is um, is really where I've been. And and this this does all of these things sort of uh, come together. And over the last two years, podcasts seem, I mean, they've been around really since the advent of Web 2.0, mm-hmm. right? But what elements do you see that have made them really just take off this last 24 months? That's a good, I, you know, I think we've talked a lot about it. it. It's the ease with which you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's the appetite, the hunger among audiences for content, uh, either broadly speaking, or in a niche arena like the government management marketplace. Yeah, I think those two things are are key. So, you know, when you think about the hockey stick of acceptance, you know, oftentimes uh, things go along a plane and grow slowly, slowly, but then there's a a sharp curve. Right. And it just got, and that's what's happened in the last two years with podcasts. And I think it's um, the availability of the entertainment side of it, because it used to be just really educational kind of stuff. Um, All the books on tape, they they were. I love those. I do too. I, I love them. Uh, you could listen to them in the car, but now having the technology piece has really helped everything. And so it's the, the availability of entertainment, it's the technology, and then it's the cultural acceptance. I think those three things in unison just amplify one another and have really skyrocketed the popularity of yeah, podcasting. And I, I think Audible has uh, has picked up on that wave mm-hmm. over the last year. I see a lot more commercials for them now pushing the uh, the books on your, your device. Mm-hmm. So it's out there. 
So your show, Robert, uh, Fed Heads, once a week, and it's, you know, do you have a, a quote, live airtime when the first the show comes out, or do you just post it them when you're... Comes comes out at the crack of dawn every Monday. Okay. Uh, unless we skip for a reason, uh, like over the holidays. Right. Uh, but generally, we try to do first thing on Monday morning, and if uh, but you're recording ahead of time, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And if it doesn't come up, my boss, who lives way outside the Beltway, uh, lets me know that he's missed an episode, so mm-hmm. that I have that motivation. There you go. And for what's uh... we are the brand ready media? Are you ready? Show right, and we uh, we release on LinkedIn and Facebook every Tuesday evening at six p.m. Every Tuesday, it says. Yeah, Taco Tuesday. Okay. And so. why LinkedIn? So, well, LinkedIn is, you know, a business platform. And, yeah. and, and so I, I mean, our I, niche I love market. It. You know that. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. But it, it it's really where I want to be. And, um, you know, the content that we provide is really for business people. Um, and, and so, you know, Facebook is, is really more for our, our friends and family, the, the local community kind of stuff. Uh, maybe that's ego driven, <laughs> you know, to, to have, uh, to have your friends and family and, and those haters from high school. Look, look at me now, right? <laughs> but, you know, LinkedIn is really the, the spot where we want to be. And, and that's where we get most of our engagement, uh, people who, uh, want to be on the show, you know they'll contact us through uh, yeah. through LinkedIn, but Tuesday content nights is, at 6 content is king, but delivery is the ace. <laughs> it is so well LinkedIn is a, a massive delivery platform if you develop your network properly. Mm-hmm. So, final thoughts, Robert. Well, uh, I learned a lot in this uh, time together. Um, hope your audience will tune in to Fed Heads and let me know through LinkedIn. Yeah, or other venues. Um, um, how we can make it better? Thoughts? Yeah. Just look up FedHeads on Google. That's how I finally found it. So <laughs> couldn't find it. I appreciate the topic today. I, I think with the popularity of podcasts, um, you know, the, my final thoughts would be, you know, to those people out there that are doing podcasts, take into consideration the ethical backgrounds and and the, the you know. The, the opportunity you have to have an engaging conversation. Uh, don't be afraid of, of controversy or, or bringing opposition because it makes for good conversation. And, um, and, and pay attention to production value. You know, if, it, if, it, if you're going to use visuals or if you're just going to use audio, use good, clean audio. Get some help in there and, and do it right. Yeah. And my final thought on that would be if you add value through whatever content media you use, you will get an audience sooner or later. So, gentlemen, thank you for coming in. Thanks this for having is us. not my day job. I, uh, I advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government, including leveraging social, particularly LinkedIn. If you want to discuss it, drop me a line at marketfederaldirect.net. And thank you very much. Oh, let me say one more thing before I go to thank you very much. Uh, this show is available on Podcast One and iTunes. So uh, download it. Subscribe to it. Uh, Fedhead's probably available there, too. SoundCloud, Google Play. There you go. Go for it. And your show, Kurt? Uh, We air on Facebook and LinkedIn every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Downloadable. Yes, sir. Podcastable. There you go, because it's a podcast. Uh, And now, thank you very much for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.
think about a bicycle. It takes balance to get where you want to go. Now think about business. Whatever your business or organization, you ride the line between numbers and people. Just like the bike, it takes balance. CLA, CPAs, consultants, and wealth advisors. That's CLA. We'll get you there. Clifton Larson Allen LLP. Investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. This holiday, treat the whole family to Hannah Anderson's best pajamas ever. Unbelievably soft organic cotton pajamas your whole family will want to wear all season long. <laughs> Dozens of one-of-a-kind iconic prints, guaranteed to find one you and your family will love. Turn everyday moments into holiday memories. With the original family pajamas. Hannah Anderson. Best pajamas ever. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.